The presenting sponsor for On Education is Schoology. Schoology is not only the best learning management system, it's also a community of lifelong learners. There's so many things to love about Schoology, but my favorite is the company's passion to connect with their teachers and students to deliver the best product possible. If you want to learn more about Schoology and how they can help you advance what's possible, visit Schoology.com. Hey, Canada 101, the leader of Canada, guys, is a prime minister. Welcome to On Education. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will recap the Apple event, discuss esports cover of ESPN the magazine, talk about whether teachers should be running as political candidates, and our guest this week is Doug Levin, who wrote this incredible article for Ed Surge about student hackers. Did you watch the Apple event? I watched some of it. It's a lot of, uh, well, I guess that's what it's supposed to be, self-promo, you know? A lot of people clapping about things. Aren't these phone <laughs> names so dumb now? Like, these are dumb names, what aren't is, they? What is that one? The X one? Or? X, what is X Max? I have no idea. Is that that like, I mean, I know what it is. I just that think looks it's like a, a MacBook? stupid name. <laughs> what's, what's that? Are you going to get one of those? It's like the size of a MacBook screen. <laughs> it's big. That's yeah. I mean, it looks I like need a new iPad. I, I'm getting a new phone. Um, you know, I don't want to call it the... I don't want to call it the X max x that max. sounds like a dumb thing to say when people ask you what kind of phone you have i've got the um, x max <laughs> what a stupid name why couldn't they have just and then there's so there's xs okay and then there's x is it xs max i guess i guess and then yeah. there's x r or something there's mm. three right there's like ugh, it's so stupid people are obsessed with the letter x i guess I guess. I guess. So, will the next one be the eleven? I guess because it's the X represents ten. Is that what? And then the S is like the mid year. So, like they they've done they've typically done like iPhone seven, then seven S, then eight. Yeah, yeah, that makes right? sense. Yep. So this is, and they skipped nine. You know, mm -hmm. because no one likes nine when because the number nine X. is like yeah. Why do nine when you can have the X, right? Let's just skip right to that. Right. Everyone hates on nine. Nine's like the redheaded stepchild of the family. That's pretty strange. <laughs> but the watch is exciting. The watch is supposed to be really damn good now. Like, How much do those watches cost, though? They, they, I think they went down in price, too. Like, How much like, are they? So, like in the, they're still like in the four or $500 oh range. Like you're still buying a four or $500 watch. That's so, so insane. I, right. I saw that. Uh, I, I thought that that might be the price, but I was like, no, it's got to be like 200 bucks. No, it's four or 500. <laughs> but they've added some some interesting monitoring stuff. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they're sexy as hell. They, they look so good. Um, I, I like my Fitbit. I have the Fitbit Versa. It, it looks almost like an Apple Watch. Does it? Uh, and it does everything just about that an Apple Watch does. I, I bought I went on Amazon and bought like one of the cool metal bands for it like a snap-on band because i hate those plastic ones that fitbit send with it that you know you know what that rash. reminds me of though mike what? you grew up in the same era that i did it reminds me of seventh and eighth grade you know what this reminds me of right the calculator watches no Sw <laughs> the swatch watch you oh sure <laughs> Everybody I never had a swatch. These... I, I was Every... pretty poor I... when I grew up. Dude, so. I didn't have a swatch. I didn't even... <laughs> I didn't... 
<laughs> I was I, never going to get a Smudge, but everybody had those, had those different bands on them, you know, those elastic right. pink colored bands and whatever other colors you could get. Yeah. I did have red suede high top shoes though. Nice. In... Were they Converse? They were Franklin. I oh, think that's like a knockoff yes. brand, right? Yeah, that's the Kmart brand. I love those. Right. <laughs> I, I had some of those. <laughs> oh, man. Taking me back. I know. So anyway, the Apple Watch, yes, it is amazing. I, you know, I just went, I, a lot of the things I'm just like, God, is it really, is that kind of tech really that much? It is then. You know, it, it really does. Well, you know, they can it's price not because they they, they're the most profitable company on the planet. So True. they're making money hand over fist. They're they're charging as much as the market can bear. Yay, capitalism. Like, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have, a, what do they have? Something like $100 billion in the bank. They And they just, they're the only company that has just truckloads of money and nothing to do with it. They have absolutely nothing to do. Wow. With that must be a nice money. problem to have. Right. I, thought <laughs> I, could use, I could use 100 grand. 100 grand would change my life. Uh, yeah. Like completely change 100 grand change would life. change any teacher's life. We should put that out on a, on a Twitter thing. Well, 50 how much, grand would change my life. How much, if I had 50 grand. If you just gave someone 50 grand in, in cash, no taxes associated with it. Talk about spurring on the economy. Yeah. You give every, you give every family $50,000 and be, it's like. It'd be an interesting experiment to see what people would do with this. Exactly. We'd all, we all would blow it too. Right. I'd have a new car. No, wouldn't pay off the bills, you know. Let's have another car payment. Yeah, because oh, I'd buy, I wouldn't buy a fifty thousand dollar car. I'd buy a hundred. I'd buy a Tesla, and then say, well, I, but I put fifty grand down on it. <laughs> it's half price. Someone would do that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I don't know how we got so off topic. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I pay my bills. Uh, let's get back on topic. We yeah. are going to FETC. We're going to mention this every time because I'm really, really pumped about. FETC. Listen, there's a lot of reasons I'm pumped. I mean, I guess the first one is that when we said if this podcast grows, the thing that we want to do the most is just go other places. Exactly. Um, and we want to use the money that we make if we make money, heaven forbid. Yes. We want to use that to go places that we don't want to. We're not pocketing it. We're not using it as like income. We're paying the bills. Yep. We do have bills. And let's and go. We want to we want to go places. Exactly. Let's go connect with other people. And so that's what we're doing. We're we're taking the money and we're dumping it back in and we're going places. So we're going to FETC. And now, literally, now we have the money to go to FETC, ISTE, and Schoology Next. And those are three awesome conferences. We've we love them. They're they're great. And I mean, we're just gonna keep adding places to go as Absolutely. we go. So FETC is is a big deal. Um, and we got some plans. So so there's a lot of things that are going to happen as we ramp up to FETC. Um, but I guess one of the things we, I guess, want to throw out there right now is that if you're presenting at FETC, if you want to come on and yes. promo your session, get in touch with us, send us a message on Twitter, DM Glenn, DM me, yes. DM the pod, whatever, but get in touch with us. We want to get people on. Um, we, we, we love when guests make themselves known to us as opposed to us having to hunt for them. Um, it is it is one of the hardest parts of putting this show together is coming up with a new person to talk to every week. Um, but we want to talk to people who are presenting at FETC, especially if you're 
talking about things like we're really like right now we're really into games based learning we're really into esports really into project based learning you're going to hear from Doug Levin a little bit later on the show talking about internet safety and or well not internet safety but like cybersecurity sure. and and hacking and and uh infrastructure policy uh super interesting discussions um even like politics and government and if you're involved in presenting or talking about that kind of stuff we want to hear from you so if you're presenting it at FETC um reach out reach slide out to into us. our DMs and and get after us because we want to we want to talk about this stuff and we want to have you on absolutely we we're we're ramping up this. We are in full FETC mode um, <laughs> over the next three months. We're going to have, um, we're working with the folks at FETC, um, the, the actual people running it. They're going to supply us with people that are presenting as well. So you might get uh, a word from them about possibly coming on the show, which would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so take that opportunity. We want to talk to you guys. For sure. I, that's... You guys are awesome. We want you to be on the show. Totally. What else? Um, well, I, I ran into an article about basically teachers being tired of um, legislators who are ignoring the education in general or promising things but never delivering, you know? Yeah. Uh, which happens way often. Um, and basically, they're like, uh, we're going to run as political candidates. And, basic, and the article kind of goes through giving several different examples of people that are currently running for uh, some sort of seat, whether it be for Congress or their state congresses or legislators, um, yeah. and how difficult it actually is as a teacher. I mean, you still have to teach full time. You're not going to get some kind of time to be able to go ahead and, and you know, uh, be able to run your, uh, uh, your forum, campaign. Yeah, your campaign. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult. And I was thinking about you then too, Mike, because mm-hmm. you, you helped obviously local candidates uh who were that the the guy that was on the show uh, he he yep he was a teacher too right yeah yes. so so he was lucky he he took a a one month leave of absence um leading like the month just the month before yes uh, but like not every district not every school board is going to be as supportive exactly. as as that i mean it was and even then i mean he takes a leave of absence he's not getting paid no no. Right? I mean, he's, he's not getting he's paid. taking a leave of absence and not making any money because yes. he wanted to win. And listen, no one worked harder than Pekka. Uh, and and I think I think teachers running for office is amazing. Yes, it is. Uh, in so many ways. But think about this. I When you wrote this on here, I thought, who better to run for election than this? Someone who's fairly well-educated. I mean, we're not talking PhDs and master's degrees, even though some of them do and some of our... Some of our best, listen, some of our best educator friends have PhDs and master's degrees. So uh, it's, I'm not saying that, uh, but well-educated um, and they have um, a, a lived experience yes. that is kind of like just like average kind of normal people lived experience, but also the shared experiences of their students and their communities. Yes. Really connected to the communities, to what's actually happening not only right. within the school environment, but also within their local communities to be able to say, hey, these are the issues that my students are facing, which obviously is what we all are facing within the the, the specific districts that they actually work for. So I love people like uh, here in Minnesota, we have Tim Walls, who was a former uh, history teacher. 
Uh, I know that I was looking, trying to look up like who else has actually, you know, been teachers. And of course, you guys as president is a teacher, right? Sorry, your president Trudeau was it was prime minister. A that's why you minister. threw me off. You called him the president. <laughs> Sorry, that's wow, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yes, our prime minister. <laughs> Hey, Canada 101, Your the leader of Canada, guys, is a prime minister. His name is Justin Trudeau, and he was a teacher. <laughs> and he was a teacher, right? Yes. And a boxer, apparently. Oh. No, that's a joke. Okay. <laughs> but yes, now yes. he was a teacher. The yeah, prime but I was minister looking at Elizabeth Warren. Uh, we have quite a few, actually, Professor. educators. Uh, yes, exactly. Educators who have been in uh, education in K-12 through or at the university level. And then now are running for different political offices, which is super awesome. And and if obviously those people are on your ballot, go out there and support them. Yes. Ironically, the secretary of education. Yes. Not, was not an educator. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. Just, yeah. Just that, saying. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> uh, no, totally. Uh, I, I can't think of better, more well-rounded people. The perfect balance of, of life experience and education and you know, ideally some critical thinking skills and, and emotional, you know, well-roundedness. Most educators fit that description to a T. For sure. And that's that's the type of people we want. And the diversity of experience, too. I mean, educators, even in, even in a state, um, let, let's talk about Minnesota, where you have, like, the Twin Cities, and then you have, which are, per, like, super urban. Like, yes, big cities, large, major metropolis areas um, with lots of diversity and minorities and, and all of that stuff. And then you have urban or, or rural areas, rural, yes. which are totally not Very overly rural. diverse and, yes. and stuff like that. So you have, even in Minnesota is the perfect example of the diversity of experience. So if you get all of those educators that run and win together, you have a giant level of diversity in your elected officials that that gives a diversity of opinions and perspectives and lived experiences um, to speak to the issues related to um, you know different groups and different uh, areas of, of of expertise. Yes, um, absolutely. Perfect. It'd be ideal. Uh, so perfect. What what else we got going on here? Um, the last thing I was talking about is we actually brought this up last week about well not last week but a couple of weeks ago yeah. uh, about France banning the cell phones. And yeah, so there was another idea. article, <laughs> exactly, there was another article written basically in the Washington Post, and it mm -hmm. just said, the article's making the argument, instead of banning cell phones, here's some things that we should be helping our, our students with, our kids with. Uh, things like uh, making sure that they get enough sleep. I know a, couple, uh, some, a lot of parents right now actually take the cell phones away from their kids and they all put all their cell phones in a certain area at night. I'm talking about mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. that way the kids actually get to sleep and they're not you know on their phone or the, you're you know checking the latest snap or whatever it might be and then they get good sleep just really smart things that you can do with your kids right now instead of saying no we're banning cell phones and that's going to cure all right. of these problems in the world so things like playing more outside and and really spending less time with digital media getting out and then actually reading books uh, that's awesome, you know? And and one of the things that is also a lost thing that's the number five on their list is how about writing a letter? 
nobody does that really anymore, especially to yeah. your loved ones. You know, uh, like my kids are separated from their my parents. Uh, you know, by the whole country, basically, they're down in right. in the southwest. So it'd be great if they could write these things and send and draw them things. And uh, you know, we talk about our kids all the time and say it, they're not constantly on games or media itself. They might be talking about them and creating because of those things. You know, like the inspiration comes from some of these things, but it's not like that's where they live. You know, and and making sure that we have a good balance of all of those things. It's just about balance, isn't it? Balance. Like, I mean, my kid plays Fortnite. My kid has an iPod. He loves his iPad. He loves his Xbox. But, I mean, he reads and he draws. Yes. And, uh, he, uh, listen, he, I'll admit he doesn't go outside as much as we'd like him to. Uh, and that's as much my fault as anything. But, but we do have him in Scouts. So we, we do Scouts. Yes. And I'm a, I'm a Scout leader, yes. uh, actually, See, you know, to add to the things I don't have time for. And... <laughs> Uh, but it's it's a priority, and and we so we go camping. We do go outside, and 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 it's about balance. Yes, like I mean, just have balance in your lives, and you won't have these issues. I I really feel that. I, I mean, I guess I mean I realize that there are one off situations where no matter what you try to do, you're not gonna you're you're gonna have kids who have like addictional addiction tendencies and sure, stuff like that for sure that you can't you can't like just say it's going to be a specific hey, balance case. exactly right yes you know it's like telling a depressed person to stop being depressed i mean depression is a real thing and yes. you can't just say stop right well i mean i suppose that there are issues like that with with technology and addiction and stuff like that there are but like banning it. cell phones in schools doesn't right. solve anything, especially going because from zero to one hundred yes. right away is yeah. on yeah. any situation yeah. is exactly. ridiculous. And cell phones aren't going away, so we no. just talked about them for a long time. All they're going to do is become more prevalent, more hundred percent. Know, you know where? So then you have to learn how to live with them. You know? Yes. And that's the biggest thing. Hundred uh, percent. When we come back, we're going to talk about what seems like a pretty regular topic here these days. Uh, it's in the news again. Yes, uh, in a huge way. We're going to talk about esports. On Education is brought to you by Teacher Gaming. Teacher Gaming Desk is an all-in-one toolkit for any teacher looking to use more games in their classroom. And Teacher Gaming just launched a dedicated Chromebook subscription bundle with twenty awesome games. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's only $99 per class per year. So you've got your whole class, you've got 20 different games that can be played on a Chromebook. How great is that? If you want to learn more about teacher gaming, simply go to teachergaming.com to get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Esports is um, huge everywhere um, all the time now. And uh, we've spent so much time talking about it. Uh, as it relates to education, I wrote that article with uh, with our buddy Steve Isaacs, and um, I mean, and now it's it's really really if it if it hadn't hit the big time before, I feel like this is a another big moment in in esports, and um, you know, eventually this this stuff all filters down to like esports and education, which is why. We're talking about it so much, but um, Ninja, if you don't know yes. who Ninja is, nin- Ninja is um, easily, well, right now, easily the most popular um, game streamer in the world. Yes. I and would, we've referenced this guy a couple times before. He's insanely popular. It's, he's insanely engaging. He's super interesting, and he's very 
uh, I, I've seen instances where he's come on and, and just like randomly uh, uh, replied to people on Twitter and said, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you for a few minutes by video or whatever. Um, so, I mean, he's incredibly popular. He plays Fortnite mainly, I suppose. Um, but this, this guy's a real, the real deal. And, yes. and he is the first esports player or the first, you know, e-sports video athletes. game player. Yeah. yeah. Um, to be featured on the uh, cover of the ESPN, uh, ESPN the magazine. Yes, um, and and it's it's really first off the the cover is legit. Like it's awesome. what a cool what a cool looking cover. <laughs> yes, and Glenn and I were just talking about the the pictures in the article even and yeah, we'll looking at his rig you and st- you guys got to <laughs> look at his rig. We're like we got to actually talk about his rig on the podcast because boy oh boy we're we're gonna link the uh, article in the show notes. Yes, um, but but. Talk talk about Ninja for a bit, and, and you had some thoughts on this guy, okay. I guess. So Ninja's uh, real name is Tyler Blevins. He's 27 yeah. years old, which you would never, looking at him, he's a young 27. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's 19. He looks like he's 18 or 19 years old, which is probably yeah. part of the appeal. Um, my sons watch him play, mm-hmm. uh, just like they watch uh, you know, Dan TDM play uh, online. And you've talked a lot about... Just how much money is in this industry now? Uh, mm-hmm. And it, this guy is making uh, basically seven figures a month. And it's it, it, the article is amazing, though, because you could read about it and really get an insight into his life. And, you know, someone might go like, oh, you know, this guy's playing video games. <laughs> Must be a nice life. It's really a grind, though. He is basically online six days a week for 16 hours a day he does an eight hour shift basically in the morning eats dinner and then does another eight hour shift at night and he needs to do that in order to go ahead and continue basically building up his subscribers and and building up his personal brand and within Mm -hmm. the article is so cool mike he he talks about basically saying i'm hoping that i'm not actually that this is not the peak but but i'm preparing for it to be the peak do you know what i mean that mm-hmm. once, you know, it, will Fortnite always be as popular as it is right now? We don't know. And so, therefore, he knows that he's going to have to make a transition into something else, you know? And and, yeah. and and he's already starting to prepare for all those kinds of things. Even just going and doing the interview for this ESPN, the magazine, and the photo shoots, he was talking about, like, how he loses, like, $70,000 a day because of how much subscribers drop off his channel when he's not when he doesn't stream one time. So it's so crazy. It's just awesome. And I think as far as life type lessons, number one, sure, he's making seven figures a month, but he is a grinder. I mean, this guy's and he's got obviously a phenomenal uh, personality. He's gifted in this. And he's also an amazing player of the game. So it's not just, you know, I'm a great personality. And then now I, I, you know, I'm good. No, he's he's one of the best players in this specific, you know, game this uh this fortnite game so it's super cool i, I loved reading it because it just gives you a great insight and it gives you great talking points like for your kids uh if they're you know your kids like my sons or for your students those kids and be able to talk through those kind of things and say hey it is a, a legitimate career but just understand it's a grind and it's tough and it's competitive and you're kind of out there by yourself too he is his own brand he is his own company so it was super cool uh, to be able to go in and read that and that he was also featured on the uh, on that is very timely for what we've been talking about. 
it's amazing. I, I'm just even just reading the story of his life and how they had to move out of the house they were living in and move to more like a gated community because people were literally just showing up at his door because <laughs> they figured out where he lives. Yes. And, and, you know, how he takes a day off for a date day because, you know, the guy's smart and he realizes that you have to have balance and you have to maintain relationships and spend time with your wife. His yes. wife manages his his quote-unquote business um, side uh, of things. So she does meetings and phone calls and stuff like that. And uh, there was actually a really funny picture um, uh, on Twitter probably a week or two ago of yeah. Ninja's wife posted that she was on a FaceTime call with Brett Favre. Okay. <laughs> and she she took a screenshot of it because she couldn't believe. She's like, can you believe that I'm FaceTiming with Brett Favre right now? It, like, <laughs> this is my life now, and it's amazing. Like, it's unbelievable. It's so awesome. Um, like, they're, they're legit, and they're hard workers that, you know, the six hours in the morning, and then they take a break at around four. Yes. And then he's back on for another six hours at eight. Uh, and, and I mean, that's a grind. That's, that's a 12 hour day. And if, listen, it look down your nose all you want, but these guys are working, working hard. Oh God. Yeah. And I mean, and super talented. I mean, if he wasn't doing this, he would be doing some other kind of personality type of thing, a radio guest, uh, someone, a, a, a TV show type of, uh, personality. Cause he's amazing, really quick witted. Um, and again, if you're on for 16 hours live, that is so hard. I mean, that is so crazy difficult to do and continue, you know, keep that energy up. Yeah. Um, not only just playing the game, but keep your energy as far as your audience engaged and, you know, communicating with them. Man, it's just hard. It's crazy. I, I like what you said before, because um, one of the things that I've been thinking about is, is I've been streaming a little bit more lately and streaming with uh, with um, uh, friends, Steve and, and Paul DeVarzi and, and, and other people. You've, you haven't been on the stream yet, Glenn. I'll jump on. <laughs> Almost a couple times, I guess. We're going to play, we're going to play Hearthstone, I guess. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. Anyways, one of the things that I thought about when, when you mentioned it was you, you got to be good too. Like this guy just isn't entertaining. He's a damn good video player, he's, video game player. He's crazy. He's so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and just awesome. You, you've got to be good like you can't just be entertaining so he's got the perfect combination of all this stuff so let's talk about how this relates to kids yes first off kids are watching this guy constantly yeah he's a hero absolutely to some of these kids 12 year olds ask any 12 year old who ninja is and they'll know and they'll know exactly of course they'll know and ask any almost any twelve year old what Fortnite is, and they'll know. Ask any twelve year old what flossing is, and they'll they'll know do the it dance. for you. Exactly. They will floss in the hallway. Stop and floss, and they'll go, yeah. <laughs> be hilarious. Uh, if you floss for your students, they'll lose their minds. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. I challenge someone to floss for their kids and put it on video, and then tag us. In a tweet, there's your weekly challenge. That, that would be hilarious. We don't, we don't do those things, but we should. There's a there's a challenge for you, listeners. Floss for your kids, especially young <laughs> elementary kids. Or let them teach you it. that. Exactly. They'll lose it. Um, and, and so whether you like it or not, whether you think it's a bad thing or a good thing, this is where your kids are. Mm -hmm. And this is what they're doing when they go home. And 
would you rather be engaged with your kids and what they're doing at home and help them make smart decisions related to their media consumption and talking about it and, and engaging, like just developing a community and having fun with your kids? Or would you rather, you know, poo poo it and say it's a bad thing and ignore it? I guess that's my first take on this, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as parents, we need to know what our, what our kids are obviously doing online. And if this is their passion, you know, they're actually, uh, and a lot of kids, this is their passion, then yeah. get involved and kind of find out about it. Watch some of the things. I think you'll actually be entertained and you'll under, start to understand why it's so compelling. You know, it's it's a combination of watching live sports plus watching a TV show. That's what it feels like to me. It's like you you merge those things perfectly together with the right person or personality. And honestly, that's why people are watching Twitch, you know, and, and for hours on end. 100%. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is, especially at the older levels, esports is becoming a legit thing. It's a like real we've thing. We've talked about this a few times. And so not only is Ninja the, at the forefront of, you know, the entertainment side of this, but then these kids want to do this too. And they want to do it in uh, even in school. And and things like the uh, NASEF, um uh, are are starting to facilitate you know high school esports competitions as an outlet for students who may not be um you know maybe they can't catch a football at, at you know 30 yards away yeah but you know they can jungle on league of legends like it's no one's business yes and why wouldn't we let them give them an outlet to be competitive yes to be passionate about something to be part of a team to be part of a team yes. and know what that feels like and to do that well. Yep. Why why wouldn't we do that? You can't give me an argument that's stronger against than that yep. against this. You can't. There's there's no argument you can make that's stronger than that. That we need to provide. We should be in the business of providing opportunities for kids where they are, not where we want them to be. Yes. Absolutely. And, and this is a legitimate sport now. I mean, it really is. Whether people want to accept it or not, or you know, they're poo-pooing it, like you just said, doesn't matter. It is what it is. It's it's a multi-billion-dollar industry with the Twitch channel and YouTube Live, whatever it might be, as far as streaming itself. And these guys are at the forefront of it, and we want to make sure we're like uh, helping our guide our students to the right places. Hundred percent, absolutely. So uh, we're going to put the article yes. about Ninja in the show notes. We're going to put, there's, there's a, actually a couple we're going to link that are super interesting. Uh, lots of reading homework for you on this episode <laughs> of On Education. We have the uh, article coming up uh, with, our, with our next guest as well. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, cybersecurity expert Doug Levin. On Education is brought to you by Audible. So I got to tell you about this book. So I'm reading a book called You Can't Spell America Without Me. It's written by Alec Baldwin. Um, and it's and it's in Trump's vernacular. Like it's in his voice. Like <laughs> it's written. It's like as if it was written by Donald Trump. Okay. And so I'm reading it and I'm thinking uh, every time I'm reading it, I, I, I'm hearing Donald Trump's voice reading it to me. So I looked up on Audible if it was there, and I'm telling you it's there. So this is Alec Baldwin in the voice of Donald Trump reading the book You Can't Spell America Without Me. 
you've gotta listen to this. It is an absolute nightmare of a book. It's hysterical. So all that you guys have to do to listen to You Can't Spell America Without Me is go to audibletrial.com slash oneducation. That's audibletrial.com slash oneducation. And you will get a free audiobook download, which you should totally use for You Can't Spell America Without Me by Alec Baldwin, read to you by Alec Baldwin <laughs> in the voice of Donald Trump. There's nothing better. So go do that, like, right now. All right, welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is Doug Levin. We're here with Doug Levin. Um, he wrote an article on Ed Surge, and I couldn't resist but having him on the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. So tell us a bit about the story um, that you wrote about specifically. I think, actually, first, tell us about what you do and, and where you're from and what your background is. I think that's an important primer to this conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, currently I run my own uh, consulting firm and I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I've spent my career working in a variety of roles, um, primarily in U.S., education policy, um, often with an emphasis on issues of technology. So just to give you a sample of some of the things um, that I've done over the years, I was the executive director of CETA, the State Educational Technology Directors Association, for about five years. I spent some time with the National Association of State Boards of Education. And for many years, I was at a, sort of a think tank and research shop called the American Institutes for Research. So, you know, a variety of, of roles, but always interested in um, the intersection of education and technology. Awesome, awesome. All right, so this article you wrote for Ed Surge, uh, super interesting. Uh, I, I was like constantly nodding my head. I've, I've run into issues with students and, and IT systems quite a bit. I'm a computer science teacher and I've had a hand in, you know, our one-to-one -one program and our network infrastructure and all that stuff. So talk about the article a little bit and, and talk about um, this story a little bit that you told and, and even give us some details if you have anything that was left out of the article in terms of what's going on um, even since the article has been written or anything like that. Wow. Well, all right. That's a, that's a lot to chew on yeah. right there. So let me start actually way at the beginning. So um, actually, the, the article that you read on EdSearch was actually a reposting of an article um, that I had done on a, a site that I run, um, k12cybersecure.com. Right. And that's a site focused uh, primarily on emerging cybersecurity issues facing schools as they increasingly rely on technology. And so I've been tracking cybersecurity incidents, and one of the themes that I've seen um, over the time that I have been doing it is that um, some significant percentage of incidents do involve students in some way. Um, and as I started to see the incidents, I started to have some questions about how the students were being treated um, in some of these incidents and also how these students were able to accomplish what they did on school IT systems. Because to me, it suggested that maybe there was an issue with how the school had set some things up and that students shouldn't have been able to do that in the first place. Yeah. And so what happened is in June of this year, um, I got a phone call um, out of the blue 
um, from the mother of the student in this story. And uh, this is while the disciplinary issues were still being um, debated in the school district. And the, the district was investigating her son on uh, sort of computer-related charges. And she was just looking for help. And so I think she just went online looking to find anybody who had any insights or advice. Um, and it turned out that I was able to help her, uh, you know, a little bit, give her a little advice, um, and ended up speaking to her lawyer as well. But I made an open invitation to her at the time, which was, you know, depending on how things worked out, um, that this was a, you know, that I had sympathy and empathy for her son in this situation, that the school district seemed to be treating this case a little harshly from what I could tell, uh, totally but that if she that. wanted to, you know, tell her story to get back in touch with me. And that's uh, just, in fact, what she did. Awesome. Awesome. So you ask uh, a lot of really interesting questions at the beginning of the article. Um and I can't help but come back to the fact that the so so one one part of this story that's incredibly revealing and interesting and asks way more questions than it than it answers is the fact that the username and password for the the account that this student seemed to be using and uh, was in on was on a notepad on a note attached to the frigging computer. So um I mean, I just couldn't help but like shake my head and get really frustrated about that. So I guess my question is, do you have any sense that whoever did this, whoever left an in, a, a, what appears to be a full-blown administrator account, username and password on the computer, were they taken to task for it? Because I'll tell you where, where I am. If a teacher had done this, even with like my username and password, if I had put it on my monitor, I would have been just blasted, uh, definitely written up. And, uh, you know, it would not have been pretty. Um, do you have any sense of, I know it asks way more questions, but, uh, do you have any sense of what they've resolved in terms of, you know, just what happened with the person that actually did this and how irresponsible it was in the first place? Well, I mean, what I can gather from talking to the family involved, this wasn't a one-off occurrence. Um, the, the student involved related several um, examples of um, administrative sort of username and passwords being sort of stick on sticky notes um, on computers over the years. Um, and in fact, I was speaking to a reporter and she was pressing me on how tech savvy, like how would I describe the, the student involved? Was he very tech savvy, um, for instance? And, you know, at, at one level, clearly he was, but at another level, like, I, I don't know. I'm not convinced that um, if the system was properly secured that he could have gotten in. Um, right? right. So, uh, and, and it's not just that the username and password was, um, on the computer, right? I mean, that on the, on the you know, uh, for the administrative account was on next to the computer. That's bad enough. I mean, that's not good. Um, <clears throat> but this shared administrative account had, had, you know, student usernames and passwords available in a file clearly marked in, in plain text. Um, in another folder was an application that allowed you to change, you know, sort of administrative roles and rights, you know, rights and roles for every user in the district. 
unbelievable. Right. At some point, he <laughs> and his 12-year-old friend um, were able to install a cryptocurrency miner on a district server. <laughs> I read that. And the, and the district, you know, like the, the kid was incredulous because – they're running the CPU on the school server flat out, and they ran it for <laughs> I don't even know how long. Sounds like months. Um, and they never caught it, right? So they weren't looking at their logs. And ultimately, how they got caught, right, was um, they had figured a scheme to get around the school uh, filtering system. I, I, right. I think it was iBoss, what they used. But... The way they did it is they found an old teacher account. This is a teacher who is no longer with the district for for at least so two years. Still, the account was it, still there. It was still there. It was still active. It was not being monitored. And what the students found is that if you log in under this teacher account, the school filtering system, the district filtering system treated you differently, right? So teachers no, had different rights than students. And what happened is that that spread like wildfire throughout the district, because sure. um, this this student and his friend, they're you know sort of the original sort of two, um, started you know uh, figuring this out when they were twelve at a middle school, but they went to different high schools. So they told their right. friends, their friends told their friends, and eventually right. somebody told an administrator or a teacher or the fact that the whole school was playing Fortnite or on YouTube or whatever, um, you know, figured out something was wrong, and they fingered um, a friend of his who then fingered him, and then. The, you know, they caught him that way. So it's not just that the district, you know, had this one uh, issue, right? And so as they as they were talking to me, I'm like, there's a lot of things that don't really seem to add up. And as and I even reached out to the district ultimately for a comment about this. And they basically, I mean, um, this may be a little unfair to put it this way, but they basically stonewalled me and said, look, everything sure. is fine. Um, what they did was what these kids did were, were wrong. We're pursuing criminal charges and we're not going to talk about an ongoing investigation, but, but, but I'll yeah. say the story's not over. Right. So, right. cause the local community didn't know this, that there was any issues whatsoever. Um, and now they do. And what I'm, you know, I'm still in touch with the family that there will be more written about this and there'll be, um, you know, issues brought before the school board. And so we'll, we'll sort of see how this ultimately shakes out. So, I mean, two-factor security would have. Well, I guess the I guess the the account was logged into the computer in the first place. But I mean, the second time they tried to log into it, they wouldn't have been able to. If just if two-factor authentication was would have stopped them the would have stopped them cold in the tracks, right? Because right. Um, they also realized they they figured out a way to to do this to access the system remotely, right? Because the 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 district had set up a remote access system. Sure, they right, did. and so yeah, so but that account worked, right? So, um, right. so, so then that that allowed them to continue to do it when they weren't at school and when they went to different high schools, right? So yeah, two factor would have would have stopped this in its tracks, right? They still would have like, had the physical issue at that machine, you know, that was logged in in that public space, but that's that's a much smaller issue. So what's crazy about this is that, I mean, if you are 14, 15 years old and you play World of Warcraft, you know what two-factor <laughs> authentication is. Right. If you if you play any sort of game that has an online portion, I'm looking, I'm literally looking at key fobs on my desk for video games. Anyone, you know, could have thought, like, there are how many layers of administration no one thought 
to to just enable two-factor authentication. So do you have a sense of how widespread the lack of expertise concerning security um, really is? And and I guess the a follow-up question would be that um, is this is is a lack the lack of expertise and the lack of tools like simple two-factor authentication uh, is it a budget budget issue or is this a is this a red herring calling out budget is that a red herring for you know something else going on what do you think yeah so um <clears throat> i mean basically what i've seen um based on sort of my cybersecurity work um and i've you know at this point i've documented over 360 cybersecurity incidents just in us you know public schools um since 2016 so um, some some of them are, of those are because of sophisticated um, outside attackers, like you know criminally motivated that you know w- would be hard for anybody to stop. But the frankly, the vast majority are um, basic cyber hygiene issues gone wrong. So yeah. losing control of passwords, um, uh, you know, posting stuff publicly when you, when folks didn't realize it was public. Um, falling for really low-level phishing schemes um, or downloading ransomware, et cetera, uh, and not having backups and things like that, right? So mm-hmm. um, that suggests to me that um, there is not atten- not enough attention being paid to this. But, I mean, I, I think in some ways it's a, it's a budget issue uh, just because whenever schools have a scarce amount of money that they're going to, you know, that they want to earmark toward technology, they always, it's always about buying software or buying hardware, right? And then maybe uh, you would think about staffing your, your internal IT team up, but right. and pr- maybe you think about professional development, right? But those are, those are not seen really as uh, priorities, right? So they're going to spend every penny they can on getting stuff into people's hands, not so much in supporting its use. And then, yeah. right? And then security the is like, the show, that's for sure. right? Then security is kind of an afterthought in part because yeah. I think schools haven't been that exposed, but sure. um, what I'm seeing, and it's not surprising to me in, in some ways, but what I'm seeing is that as schools are relying on this stuff more and more, they are exposed. And I think they don't really understand where the threats are coming from and what the issues are. I mean, I think things like um, you know multi-factor authentication, I am absolutely seeing a trend uh, in colleges and universities where they're starting to mandate that for everybody at that level. It's definitely the exception um, to what I've seen at the K-12 level. It can't, kind of to your reaction, it can't stay that way um, because it's a very, very effective tool at stopping these kinds of um, vulnerabilities. But there, there is a bit of a cost uh, to implementing it. Um, yeah. It is a, you know, the, the security is tough because... Um, you know, it requires sort of end users to change their behavior. Um, there's often, you know, resistance and, and people try to sort of work around it and will push back against it. And so ultimately, I, I kind of, I view it more as a leadership issue, right? right? And, and you know, the leadership just has to set this as a priority. Um, and I think they tend to think of this as kind of an IT issue right now, right? Security is an IT thing. They'll just take care of it. It's their job. Um, it's not our responsibility that we're buying all this equipment and connecting all these things to the internet and not just, you know, classroom computers, but security cameras, routers, printers, you know, telephone systems, H, you know, HVAC, <laughs> um, the HR system in the school district. I mean, 
there's an enormous amount of stuff that is uh, exposed to the internet. And yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You know, I think people are just wrapping their heads around this issue now. And I've been spending, you know, a lot of time trying to educate people about, you know, the need to pay more attention to this issue, but um, it's, it's definitely tough. It's tough for schools. Um, I think, you know, I, I, what I try to tell people is not to be overwhelmed by it. Um, really there's common sense steps that everybody can take, um, to raise awareness, just to try to keep your stuff, you know, sort of patched and up to date, use password managers, use second factor authentication. If you can, um, mm-hmm. doing anything is better than doing nothing. Right. But, but we're going to yeah. need to do a lot more. It's funny because it, you said a whole bunch of things that 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 uh, you know I thought about while you were while you were, while I was reading this. I, I mean, I guess my first thing uh, I remember posting a couple of years ago, and it came up on my Facebook feed a, a, a couple a couple of days ago about um, you know the fact that we had to buy new headsets for for our whole school. I work at a private school, so we're not in a district or anything like that, but. Uh, had to buy new headsets for all the computers at our school. And we have a lot of devices at our school. And it was thousands of dollars. And, and some people just simply don't appreciate that things in bulk like that cost a lot of money. And you wouldn't think that like a 30 or $40 headset would be a big deal when you're just buying one for your house for your kid or whatever. But we had to buy almost hundreds of these things. And things cost money. I have absolutely no idea how much enterprise-level two-factor authentication costs. So I can appreciate if someone told me, you know, it's thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to set this up. And, you know, when we can barely buy textbooks, um, you know, two-factor authentication seems like something that should be a little bit further down on the totem pole. You know, if that's the actual real issue, I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, I can at least engage in the conversation, right? Uh, I'm willing to hear you out for sure. Um, so that's, I guess, one point related to what you were saying. But the y- you had said something about um, the the administrators and, and IT people not even necessarily knowing where the threats are coming from. And one of my biggest thoughts related to this whole issue is what to do with the students. Um, and, and, you know, we have all of these companies all over the place that do things like have bug bounties and security competitions, and hackathons, and and I'm thinking, why don't we just do this at school? Why don't we actually ask kids to try to break our security, and research it, see what they come up with, figure out what they did, and then stop it. I mean, at least then it's engaging these students in solving a problem you know, you can talk even about your subject here and say, look, this is what happens when you do it the wrong way. But why don't you help us? Um, and, you know, we'll give you an outlet for your creativity, because that's, I think, what some of this is. And, you know, have this maybe even a competition. Uh, what do you think of ideas like that, even at the K-12 level? No, I think it's a, f- a fabulous uh, question and a fabulous idea. I mean, one of the things that really struck me about this story in particular is that I've seen a really uh, great range of ways that schools respond to incidents like this. Sure. Um, and this example certainly uh, seems to, in, in some respects, fall down even on the more draconian ends of of the scale, right? I mean, this is a pretty yeah, harsh response. Um, I definitely have heard stories of other schools that um, have used you know, kids like this as, as, as sort of the front line IT support, 
Um, I think we were talking before the podcast started. I mean, like kids are able to figure things out about school IT systems that, that, you know, educators, we don't have time to do that. Right. And uh, to, to do that research and to figure that stuff out, we can learn things about our own systems um, from these kids if we only uh, in, engage them. And I think, sure. you know, particularly when you're talking about kids that are 12, 13, 14 years old, sometimes even younger than this, um, there, you know, this kid could have done incredibly malicious things. I mean, he basically could have wiped all the school uh, servers. He could have, um, you know, uh, harassed people in the school community. He could have changed his grades. He probably could have stolen money from kid. the school district, right? He knew it wasn't right. But right. there was some self-restraint here that was yeah. um, shown. And, uh, you know, this is a kid who just needs, you know, some some attention and some direction. Um, and clearly he's interested in technology. And I think, yeah. um, you know, if, if the school had engaged him um, that way, he, he would have responded uh, really well. Um, and I think the school district would be in a better place. I think the student would clearly be in a better place. I mean, here he's looking at, you know, facing criminal charges. He's been expelled. Um, I have talked to him. He's taking online courses, you know, right now at an online school, but Mm -hmm. uh, that's not where they want to stay. But I mean, they expelled him in June and he he has nowhere to be in the fall. So unbelievable. You know, his, his life trajectory has changed now. Um, and hopefully it's, you know, recoverable for him, but you could see it spinning out, um, quite, quite poorly where, you know, he had had no disciplinary issues before. Right. I mean, this is a kid who just needed, um, an outlet, an outlet, right. And, 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 and attention from people who could help him. And, um, school district turned its back on him in this case is my, my view. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's why I wanted to write this, this story up though. You know, at the same time, I am sympathetic because not every situation is the same. Some kids really do cross a line once they get into yep. these systems. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a point at which where schools need to take action to protect, you know, other kids and and um, uh, the adults in the system. I mean, there's a lot of sensitive data and things like that that schools hold. But um, this, this example doesn't strike me as, as one like that. Right. So the article uh, is, uh, When 12-Year-Olds Can Breach School IT Systems, Who's Responsible? It's on EdSurge. You should definitely go read it. It's incredibly interesting, and definitely there are way more questions to come. This is not uh, an issue that's going away. It's an emerging issue and something that needs to be taken seriously. Uh, Doug, thanks for your time. This This was awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. On Education is an on-podcast media production. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JK Radio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. 
we want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.